Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to One Media and One Media. I'm Takeshi. With me, I have Santos. And we pick two pieces of media, or I pick two pieces of media, and we take deep dives into them. Or I take deep dives into them, per se. And this week is pretty divisive. Uh, this, yeah, I went, I went to Keshe and said, this is not a good session. Because <laughs> he chose this. Yeah, he forces this. me to, and I, I trust him. I trust him with my viewing time, with my little eyes, my ears. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, they're both kind of divisive, but I'm assuming you're talking about Planet of the Humans was probably the very divisive one. Mm-hmm. We could just dip into that one. Yeah. And then go into the next one. Yes. This is the first time we didn't do an anime. Well, the other one is an anime, technically. But this media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, okay, yeah, yeah. This, this is true. It's a documentary, and Michael Moore was the executive producer, so it does have that Michael Moore kind of vibe to it, the, the editing style to me, it does. But it was actually directed and produced by Jeff Gibbs and Ozzy Zenner. And it's basically about what happens if capitalism takes over the green movement. And this was released on July 31st to some film festivals, but it was actually released all over the world on the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And it was free on YouTube. And it's probably going to be free for like another week. So it's probably going to be too late by the time this comes out. And it kind of just shows what we think the green movement is going on right now and what is going on in the background. And it's it's a hard watch, but I feel like everybody needs to watch it because it's kind of depressing. And but it, there is hope in a way. And kind of. <laughs> but go no. Ahead, <laughs> Where did you find this? On YouTube. I follow Michael Moore. Okay. And he just said, oh, we just released this a few hours ago and it already has 100,000 plays. So I was like, well, I guess I should watch it. And the thing about Michael Moore movies, say what you want about them, but it always starts up the conversation and it always makes people think, well, maybe we are kind of doing this wrong. That's what I do like about his movies. This one, I feel like everybody needs to watch just because what we think all this biomass and all this other stuff is doing and what it is really doing to the environment. That's why I made you watch it. 
I think that's a really good point. And I do think, like you said, Michael Moore's films make people, like these type of films make people think about a topic that they may have shelved in their mind or just believe whatever they're being told. And so it's good to see the other side and dig deeper in it. And it is true. This is very much showing like, oh, I'm using solar energy or I'm using alternative forms of energy and look how good we are. But there's all this background stuff people aren't doing the research on that, you know, it's not as clean as you think it is. Yeah, like how the actual solar panels are being made and how long do they last and all these crazy biomass factories or power places. It's just as bad as coal. And well, so it seems it's destroying trees and Yeah. And this is something I was always suspicious about. So it's kind of interesting. That is confirming things for you? How do you... Yeah. Because I'll be honest, I watched some of this and then I skipped forward and watched more and I just watched it in pieces because I couldn't sit through an hour and 40 minutes of his voice. Like I couldn't... Uh, You didn't like his voice. I don't like his voice. I find him boring. I find him a little bit like of a know-it-all environmentalist because he's been doing it for a very long time. So he's very smart. He's been living it. So I will give him credit. There's no negativity about that. But when you're in that world for a long time, it comes off. There's this edge to it that I'm like, oh, like, why don't you just share what we should be doing and not just be like making us feel bad and negative about it? (laughs) Well, I think their point was in the documentary was here's all the information that we have right now, but there is hope for the younger generation to figure out how to do this correctly. Yeah, but there's no like action plan. And and even tried to say, he's like, oh, well, I believe the first step is knowledge. I'm like, ah, you're just trying to freak us all out. Like you should know better. He's lived a sustainable lifestyle. So it's like, why don't you show some of the balance? Well, and, you know, he instead thought of just he attacking. was living a sustainable lifestyle. That's the thing. And then he realized he really, he wasn't. <laughs> oh, well, I just... I just feel like you shouldn't just dump on people. So that's my personal opinion. Because (laughs) I did do a workshop some years ago through school with Joanna Macy. And she's a very early on environmentalist and amazing person. And yes, there were times where we were discussing like the difficulties of all the, every horrible thing going on and how crappy people can be and how we're destroying. But there's a balance of like, grieving what's going on, but also understanding that we're part of something bigger and each one of us is a tiny part in the great turning of things. So she had this, a great way to balance it and make you feel like, oh, there's hope I can move forward. Where he was just giving you all the doom. Grim details, <laughs> very grim details. But what is found interesting and what was always suspicious to me about things is like, yeah, when politicians and big corporations start being like, oh yeah, we put money into this thing, you know, into green energy. It's billions. like, it's billions. It's suspicious because those are people who only like to make money. So it's like, there's something going on that we're not, I don't know. Like I, so I'm just a little bit suspicious of people in those places of power. So I'm glad he revealed some of that and called some of them out on, well, where is this coming from or this or that? And realizing some of them don't know and some of them are probably lying. Yeah. 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 So you're hoping for more of something. Yeah. There is this hope at the end. Mm -hmm. You know, that was one of the funny things too, is on Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic, the thing that they complained about was his voice. Where for me, I was just used to it because I'm used to watching 
long documentaries on things. You're also like an information junkie. So I feel like you have a higher tolerance to get through stuff for information. And I am not in a good mood this week. And so I needed actual like well-crafted documentary, not like an assignment. And like I said, I feel like, and I didn't watch it in every minute of it, but was there any points of bringing in other people that are part of this, that are working towards something that, Uh, that's all. Like, yeah. I don't know. That's where I feel like downfall parts were. Right. I agree with you on that. But I think he needed to kind of shock people with everything. Because it just starts off with how long do you think the world is going to sustain? And people are just given random kind of numbers. I kind of think 50 years is going to be our... (laughs) I think we'll last longer than 50 years. (laughs) Uh, Unless we go over to Mars and we mess that one up. There's always hope that there's going to be something more sustainable in the long run. But what we're doing right now with all this big money, there's not. I think that's why he's trying to shock people. But I do get it. And Michael Moore and the people who produced it, Ozzy Zinner and Jeff Gibbs, they all love the Earth and they're all concerned about it. But they also know because of the shelter in place... The air has been cleaner than ever. <laughs> With yeah, all this there... work that they've been doing for the past 50 years to pass all these laws for clean air, this, what, 17 weeks of shelter in place is doing wonders for the earth. Yeah, it was probably a really good Earth Day then. Yeah. For Earth. <laughs> Not for people, but for Earth. Well, and that's what I was thinking is like they're passing these laws and it's all of it is so, you know, like we pass laws in one place and then we like, take advantage of countries that don't have these laws to then still pollute. Like, but we're all connected, so it's still polluting everything. And right now, with the shelter in place, everyone has to just stop for a second and not produce garbage anymore. Because think of all the junk you don't need that's not essential. That's just like plastic, poorly made. Right. Things. Yeah, yeah. So this is a very divisive <laughs> documentary. But you're hoping for something a little bit more, okay, there's going to be a little bit of this in the end. Yeah. They did give like kind of small things in a way, but they were talking about, well, the other problem is is we're over-reproducing to people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, other, some countries aren't, their birth rates are so low. Like Japan. And the U.S. went down and parts of Europe. Yeah, but... And they're not telling people that they shouldn't reproduce, but Mm -hmm. it is fact that because there's so many people on this planet, we're creating more trash, we're creating more pollution. So that's kind of a problem. But what are we going to leave to the kids when we're not here? Plastic toys that will never distract. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We're leaving them this awful... Garbage. (laughs) ...island of plastic... And straws. Yeah, straws and everything. It's just awful. And so it is awful. And I'm, they, I'm sorry I made you watch it, but it okay. is something that everybody kind of needs to watch. And that is true. I feel like I'm a little bit in the know about some of it because, like I said, I've done my research. But if you have never ever researched any of this, it might be something to watch and see kind of like the grim reality. Totally. And he calls out everybody. That's the coolest thing about it. He calls out. 350.org and all those other really big organizations because they're not really protecting the environment. They say they are. I had no clue what biomass was. 
and it's disgusting. The scene I didn't like, and like I said, I <laughs> I won't rewatch it. But what turned me off was like he was like getting mad at a concert from a Earth Day thing because they weren't running it off solar, and I just felt like, are you? Is that being too nitpicky though? Like, how does he want things run? Like, how does okay, he want okay. to power I, I, stuff? Okay, I see what you're saying. Does that make sense? Well, okay. The thing was about the whole entire solar thing, the panels weren't ever going to power up that whole entire festival. It was just there for show. Uh, so it wasn't doing anything really? Not really. And since the rain appeared anyway, it wasn't really adding to it. And they were going to use this biodiesel generator and then that didn't work. So they had to plug straight into the regular coal grid. Well, but that was kind of like, I thought it was a little unfair. That you know, was it's a like some unfair. sad hippie festival and they were, <laughs> it seemed like so you're feeling- bad people. And so it was just like, they're trying to throw off vent, dude. Like, lay off. Like, I don't they know. They're trying intentions. their best. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that's all. Like, don't make him seem like sneaky bad people. I don't no, know. No, so. that, that was in the beginning. Yes. And, but there was other festivals that were for Greenpeace and their partners were these construction and logging companies and these big oil companies. That was yeah. gross. Yeah. And that's kind of like, what is it like? Um, was one of them. No, it is. And doesn't like the tobacco industry do that where they kind of give money to like anti-tobacco and you're like is it gonna work because your money is it's dirty money so it's like so bad and so you know it's not really working and those companies just want like the stamp of approval that they're not evil like didn't they get money from um they give money to sierra club right you know it just so it shows kind of how shady like these big green quote green and that's the problem because over in sonoma county a lot of people just want to start these organizations and they want to sell it in the end or get another big donor and make a bunch of money and then they usually get voted out or whatever. And that's the biggest problem about those organizations. There's a lot over here. I mean, oh my goodness, the amount of organizations we would interview on the radio station I used to work at and then they wouldn't be around the next year. Or we would have a list of all the organizations and half of them were gone. Yeah, it's hard in a capitalist society to yeah. maintain in a nonprofit manner. Oh, yeah, totally. It's sad. Of course, you do have to get big, big money eventually if you want to grow and expand. And sometimes you just you probably shouldn't. But when you don't, no. that's when it goes under. Yeah, it's some way to find like to find strength in like these grassroots smaller organizations each chipping away at something. It's hard. It's definitely hard. You're moving outside of like how we work as a society. Right. And for, I think, 350 and Sierra Club to get as big as they have is probably a problem. And that's something that he was pointing out in this documentary. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, well, I'll sign up for this. I give donate to Sierra Club and they probably feel good about themselves. And it's like, no, nah, you probably want to donate somewhere else. Donate to a local organization, not this yeah. big organization. I want to plug one organization that I think sure. does a good job of being positive and also revealing hard truths is Bioneers. And that's kind of like Marin based and they're really good. Environmentalism, oh, okay. indigenous rights, health and medicine. And they usually have a big conference, but that got canceled this year, but they do a ton of stuff 
with their podcast and like videos on YouTube and oh, awesome. all that. So I would recommend them to also check out once you watch this grim documentary and you need a someone <laughs> to help you realize like no there is there are people doing amazing things and like there's ways to contribute and move forward. Array to the pioneers. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is about this documentary is of course the big organizations I'm going to say this documentary is full of misinformation. And the next day, they're just saying, this is awful, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe they released something like this. And it's just like, well, it needs to be out there. <laughs> I don't think, that's the one thing, from when I watched him, I don't feel like he's making this up. Like, I wouldn't doubt him. Like, I wouldn't say, like, he was fabricating any of this. Like what they're trying to say. I He seems truthful. Like it doesn't come off as a dishonest or it doesn't also come off as like overly sensational. No, it doesn't seem sensational no. to me. I mean, me, he's so. actually going to different types of trade shows for solar and biofuel and everything and interviewing the, the guys there or he's checking out a new electric car and asking where is this coming from and where is the power coming yeah. from here and... It's really important to know where all your power is coming from. But unfortunately, it's true. yeah, but you are right. He doesn't give you an exact answer or any answer right now. He's just putting the information out there and going, hey, this is this. Which obviously, then when you say like he was surprised by all of this himself, this is obviously a way for him to express that and get through it. And now I bet his next work will be. Like the next steps, you know what I mean? Like he needed to get through this, like, oh my God, look at all the information I found. Look at all these connections. And I didn't realize this was connected to this and actually not as green as I thought it was. So he needed to get that out. And I bet it will free him to then move forward back to his sustainable And goals. it took him a couple of years to actually make this documentary. And as information came along, you'd have to add more to it too. So it was pretty interesting seeing the interviews with him and Michael Moore and Ozzy and them going, hey, we don't hate the Green Movement. We went to the very first Earth Day. We just want to put the information out there and saying, hey, there is hope, but we want you to know what's going on so we could fix it. Yeah. it's. And I think there should have been a small little interview at the end, probably going, hey, look, we know this is a grim documentary, but we didn't mean to make it this grim. It just came out. Because they always say that we left some hope at the end. And to me, they didn't leave any hope at the end. No. No, they didn't. Not with the imagery either. It's no. like really oh dark goodness. imagery. Woo. So I went to, yeah, it's really heavy. So that was bad. And so, yeah, they really should have... They probably should have tested it in front of some people first uh, more. That was the other thing. They were going to release this soon. And because of the shelter in place, they couldn't release it out in theaters. So they just decided, well, we'll just release it on YouTube for free for a month and see what happens. And yeah, they should have done a little more testing. You're very right about that. But there was no festivals or anything like that. That's true. That is very true. And I'm glad that that's very generous to leave it free for a month then. Yeah. I mean, I've been encouraging everybody to watch it and no one has except for you. So, I mean, I've been telling my friend Evan to watch it. He's a big environmentalist, green guy. Uh And he's like, I don't know. I'm a little scared too. I was like, it's hard when you know already, too. Like, you're like, oh, I know it's not going to be good. So, (laughs) it's 
like, yeah, I'm going yeah, to watch a bunch of bad sorry, news. I'm sorry, but I just felt like everybody needs to watch it. <laughs> I think he should have had, I think an ideal documentary would have been him working through more, maybe inviting a couple of different people into within the green movement, like long-term people and different people to see like, what are the other ways to go? How do you navigate? Cause I mean, you know, there's people who are like zero waste. Like they don't, you know, like, so it's like that extreme. Yeah. So it's like, it would have been interesting to kind of see what they thought about it and how you manage. And it's also like, we right. can't be perfect in this world. No. It's almost impossible it's to be completely perfect. completely impossible. <laughs> but you should know what you're choosing. So yeah, you should know where things are coming from. I guess that's his big message is like, you need to realize where things are coming from. Well, you know, there was a time when I was going to try to get a diesel car and make biodiesel. But then I found out you have to still put a mixture of diesel fuel in there. At the least, a 50-50 mix. I was like, then what's the point? Because <laughs> it's less. I guess it's less. So yeah, you have to decide like what you feel comfortable with. Yeah. And they don't just attack one thing. They attack everything that is supposedly better for the environment. And it's actually not. Yeah. It's not like they're going, oh, yeah, but this is okay. Because yeah, we got paid can, to do this. <laughs> that's bad because that could leave people with this idea of like, well, then f- it. I'm going to use plastic straws. Do you know what I mean? Because there's no hope. Like, it's like, that's you don't want to get to the point where there's no hope. And it's like, there is, if you put your energy towards it and you do your best, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, it's good. You know, yeah. If you're wrong. a big douchebag and you watch it, then you're going to get the wrong message out of it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I would think even if you're a green person and you were trying so hard and then it's like, oh, it's all for not. It, it might yeah. make people very depressed. So. Well, I felt I like know. that after I was done seeing it. I was like, oh God, this is all a f- lie. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend this. I would just say no. I'm not recommending this. I'm recommending Bioneers. I'm re- recommending the work of but you Joanna said, Macy. You should see it, but you shouldn't see it. You shouldn't. Who's that other person I like? Um, Tempest. Yeah. Oh, I forget her name. She writes about the national parks. She's really good. <laughs> There's a lot of people who can still give you the truth and also give you some hope. Yeah, this guy doesn't give you any hope. But I feel like everybody needs to see it. (laughs) But you have to be in the mood for it. I told you, you have to be in the mood for it. I'm not going to be in the mood for it for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) Storygram Network. All right, we are back, and now we are going to talk about Interstellar 555, the story of the secret star system. Tell me about it. <laughs> All right, I will. This is actually Discovery, Daft Punk's second album, and they didn't fall in a sophomore slump at all. They actually just kind of dominated, and this is what made them very legendary. This is the introduction of the robots. I don't know if you know much about Daft Punk. I don't. You know how they always dress up like robots? Vaguely. Well, they were in the movie. Yeah, I did see them. Okay, okay. So that's the way they look all the time now. Okay. But this was the very first time they introduced that whole entire thing. And I remember that. I do know that first song because I remember it was everywhere. Yeah. The album was released February 26th, 2001. And... 
I love this album. It's actually my favorite album by Daft Punk. I actually like all their albums. I'm kind of a... Well, yeah, I'm a Daft Punk head. I, I'd hate to say it. <laughs> and I don't know why, because I know a lot of their music is very simple and it's repetitive, but this was definitely not like that, except for the very last song. And then the first release was One More Time. The weirdest thing was, is they released the four songs on Cartoon Network as a video, and then two years later, they released the DVD in its entirety. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was wondering about this because it's, Takeshi sent it to me on YouTube and you're like, you have to watch the album. <laughs> like, So it's a full-length album and a full-length movie. Animated video. And it animated was, video, yeah. here we go. Facts about this. It was supervised and the characters were made by Liji Masamoto. And he's actually known for Battleship Yamamoto and Captain Harlock. And actually, Battleship Yamamoto was the very first anime I watched in my whole entire life. For some reason, it would play on some weird UHF channel. And I would watch oh. it when I was like four or five. Nice. And it was really dark and twisted. Oh, I... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I remember it vividly because the very last episode, everybody just dies. What? Yeah. <laughs> and there's dead in this thing and it just floats away. And it was really crazy. And Daft Punk picked this guy because they remember watching his cartoons when they were kids. And so they had a discussion. And in the beginning, that's that guy talking about his dreams of stars and spaceships. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. And at the time, he was 60-something, because he's 82 now. And wow. I was thinking, oh my goodness, he's so ancient. I can't believe he's making anime still. He's like 82, and he's still doing it. Rad. And so did they make the album first? Yeah, they made the album he, first. And then he came up with the ideas? or They wrote the album, and they're like, this is going to be way too legendary for just a release and some silly videos of us playing live or whatever. We want to do something epic. So they wanted to make an anime. <laughs> so that's where it came from. And then, so it was released May 18th, 2003. That's just so strange that it took yeah. that much longer for it to get released. And so when the videos were released, the, the first four, like one more time, it was just some anime and no one really understood what was going on. It was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i just thought it looked neat i was like okay maybe it's gonna sooner or later tell a story but it, it had to wait a couple of years and so when i bought the dvd i was completely just blown away by it and i used to watch it all the time and make other people watch it so oh uh, now i thought that would be difficult you know usually you make a soundtrack probably after you make the visuals yeah of a, right so it, doing it in reverse is probably yeah, and so they had to write a whole entire story. And it's a pretty basic story, but it's still really cool. And I, mm -hmm. I love their names, <laughs> too. What was the name of the band in it? The anime ha it starts out with a concert, and it's a band. Okay, the name of the band on the planet. We're not on the planet still. It's Aerodynamic. Oh. And then when they get kidnapped, it gets changed to the Crescendals. Chris and Dolls. That's what it is. Yeah. 
which is a play on to a crescendo. Yeah, so cute. It's the loudest point reached gradually increasing. So this starts really quiet and it gets louder and louder and louder. Like sometimes they call it risers because mm-hmm. it even goes up in pitch at times. Should we even go into the story or no? Well, that was kind of good. We started it's on another planet. It starts on another planet. It's about a band. Obviously, it's about music. And there's a kidnapping. There's a kidnapping. Yes, you're right. And they get kidnapped and changed into humans to make pop hits. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny. And I love their imagination of how the music industry is on Earth and how mm-hmm. the manager is this kind of this evil guy, magician. Yeah. It actually the cool guy ends up being the owner of the record label, which is kind of a change. <laughs> right. Anyway, so we'll go through their names. The main character is Stella. She's the female band member. And then Arpegius, which is the guitarist, Beryl, which is the drummer, and Octave yes. is the keyboardist. And then there's this guy named Shep. He goes over to Earth to save him. Oh, yeah, that was sad. Yeah, that was really sad. And then the bad guys, what's his name? I know it's Darkwood Manor. Is Earl like where they go. Darkwood. Earl de Darkwood. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. I actually, I like this uh, DVD. I love this album. I mean, okay, so let me play some tunes from it. Of course, yeah. everybody knows one more time. That's good. I'll stop there because <laughs> there's such a long <laughs> beginning. And this album in general, it's so weird because it was released. And at the time, it was really, really popular. But a lot of the electronic music scene, nobody knew what was going to go on to it. It kind of petered off because of Clear Channel. And everything else was in that rotation of Justin Bieber or Britney Spears. They weren't really playing anything from Europe anymore. So mm-hmm. that whole entire European invasion. Oh, yeah. Where are they from? Daft Punk. France. Okay. I don't know anything oh, about Oh, sorry. Them. My sorry. bad. Are they related? Are they just friends? Like, Yeah. I guess they're really good friends, bandmates. And they recently moved over to America, or one of them did. And they record their last album in Hollywood and in New York, Random Access Memories. But this album was the one that just made them very famous. Before, they always refused to be interviewed on TV, showing their face, they'd wear different masks. Uh-huh. And so now they decided, okay, we're going to make this outfit. We're going to go out in that and not really say anything. Interesting. That's so fun. But you're right. 2001 is kind of like the beginning of the end of music. Oh, Not in a mean yeah. way. Sorry. It just is oh, like yeah. the beginning no, of like true. Britney, Christina, like all of the pop music really took over. And so all of the more grunge or electronic. Yeah. It just kind of it petered of off. Software. It was really weird. But for some reason, this was the one that was just still played in clubs everywhere. And with these really strange videos. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to remember. I don't remember the video. I do remember that song, though. I remember seeing it on MTV. 
every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And then right after that would be Britney Spears or Eminem yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and NSYNC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I got to give it up to Daft Punk because they only have four albums, studio albums, and a soundtrack. And they've been doing this for over 20 years. And for some reason, when they release something, everybody just goes, ape. Wow. That's pretty cool. They get to take their time to make stuff they want. Yeah. Even when they tour, I heard the manager didn't know what they were going to do for their tour, or even if they were going to tour. They wouldn't even let the manager know what was going on with their stage setup or anything. It's their manager. Their manager is supposed to know everything that they're doing at every step of the moment. Yeah. Because well, because they're the ones setting everything up. So it's like if they don't know, you need. Yeah, but they did everything on their own, and that's when they did that whole entire pyramid tour and everything. They're just a mystery wrapped up in a mystery. Yes. <laughs> I got to meet one of them in '99. Oh. Yeah, on this at this crazy massive rave, and it was for the Funky Techno Tribe. I used to work for this guy who was one of the founders and they wanted to get Daft Punk over, but one of them was on a tour with his other electronic band. So only one of them came out and did this DJ set and it was really cool. cool. Right before they launched their Yeah, right before album. they turned into the robot. So I got to see yeah. him before he was wow. a robot. And was he in a mask for that show? No. Oh, so you're like, I know what's behind that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, totally. Well, f- when they used to play live, I mean, they were always behind all this gear, so you didn't get to really see their face. It was all about the music. And yeah. The One of the reasons why they want to be these robots is they don't want the way someone looks be their persona. They want their music to be out in front first. That makes sense. I get that. So they could always be current and then people won't say, oh, they're just these old dudes or whatever. Yeah. Or that's interesting. You know, when you said that the artist of the anime was from kind of like back in the day, that's how I felt what the animation looked like. I was like, it looks like someone is making something new based off of an old style or something. It's very nostalgic. That cleared that up. (laughs) (laughs) And then I felt like the beginning was too long, like kind of repetitive because it is that song one more time. And it's just like, oh my God, like, come on. like It's so long. But then it picked up from there. It does pick up. My biggest complaint about this movie or anime, if you want to call it that, is the girl, Stella. Why? She's just kind of this wet dish rag of a character. Yes. She doesn't yeah. do anything. She's just kind of there. Since the beginning, yeah, because I thought that right away when I was like, oh, everyone's running, and she just kind of like falls over. Like, I was like, oh. <laughs> and sad. she's like that the whole entire movie. Yeah, even when she's not hypnotized anymore, there's no life. Yeah, she's just like, oh, he's dead. I'm crying. Yeah, there is something they didn't do a good job on giving like oh a nice well rounded no, no. everybody else kind of had a little bit more character except for Stella and she yeah. was kind of the main character. I wanted to like her and I didn't. 
she's supposed to be sparkly and beautiful and something should be drawing us to her and she isn't she's kind of like boring exactly because why does that guy love her so much so i was like oh okay well maybe i'll get to love her too like he's obsessed with her yeah why right yeah. <laughs> I used to have this argument with one of my coworkers. She always thought Stella and Shep were together. I was like, no, I think he was just a fanboy. No, he was a total fanboy. He had a poster on his ceiling. Like he was just in love with her, yeah. like from a distance. Yeah. He was in love yeah. with her image and her music. Yeah. And yeah, it was just so sad. Yeah, that could have been punched up a little bit yeah. because. She doesn't have a voice in it. You know, like, there's no woman's oh, we voice to in this. say, too. There is what? no dialogue. No dialogue. And it's not even like a silent film where there's, like, dialogue written down somewhere, which I think I needed something. I think I needed some sort of something. You needed a little bit more context with, to, with to it. To stay connected or interested. Especially, like you said, since Stella was pretty dull. I'm glad you said that because I'm like, yeah, I'm missing that. Because everyone else, the other guys, how they're drawn and how they move, give them a little bit of character so you kind of know who they are. Yeah, where she was just there. And it's like, why are you so wooded? Why are you such just... Ugh. Yeah, she didn't really it smile much. She like, no... Effect, like oh. emotional expression, <laughs> so she didn't really have anything. Oh God, that was the most yeah. irritating part, and I didn't notice that until I watched this again, and I was like, "What is with this character?" And that's where I would argue this piece didn't hold up to the test of time. Like I think when it first came out, it was like real exciting because it was new, but now watching it, you're like, "Ah, <laughs> yeah," and the. Uh, I know the song's called Too Long at the end. The song's too f-ing long. That always bothered me. Uh-huh. It doesn't need to feel long. It could have just felt really good and nostalgic. And it, that one bothered me. So Is it like a prank? Like that's their joke? Like they're just going to like torture you with a song? Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's go through some of the songs here. Yeah. I like... The scene where the the guitarist has the most fight in him before they get abducted. And the song's called Aerodynamic. (laughs) I love it when he's just running away and has a little guitar solo. With the animation, it totally just makes it beautiful to me. I was impressed how they pieced it together. I thought it was well done on that front of like with no dialogue or anything like that. The music goes fairly well with the story. Yeah. And the music that actually has lyrics in it with lines, not just kind of words. They're actually pretty cool. Digital Love is really cheesy, but cute. Mm -hmm. Here, I'll play that one. Okay. 
So there's that one. Yeah, that was cute. And then, oh my goodness, when I was going to get married, well, when I did get married, but we were planning to have this party and we were going to have this a song that we're going to dance to, but we just ended up just going to the courts. A and, yeah, just, just a loat. <laughs> no party. No party. that song that's an adorable song actually i'll tell you something they were inspired by aphex twin oh was this well received their album or was it just the one hit off of it did they win things i don't think they won anything until the random access memories because for some reason in america electronic music was just ignored up until recently till skrillex won something okay and I think this deserved to win something. But in the early 2000s and late 90s, electronic music to people just drug disco music or whatever. And yeah. they just ignored it. But this music is really, really good. My other favorite one, I think it's this one. Let's see. And this one, you could kind of hear more of the inspiration of Aphex Twin in it to me, like the melodies and the kind of deepness. Well, if I'll ever kick up, kick in. Yeah, I love that song. There's a bunch of cool songs on here. It's not just One More Time and Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. Those two songs is probably what everybody knows this album for. But yeah, a lot of the music is pretty damn good. One More Time is probably my least favorite song after hearing the album. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's knowing it so well, it feels not played out, but you know what I mean? It's just like they're more simple. It's like a simple dance song i guess yeah. the other ones are a little bit more and it's They're all kind of deep. like you said simple but it's not i don't know it's house it was music and in its core and so there is always going to be these repetitive beats in it because you're supposed to dance to it and you know i'll tell you when one more time was released i remember hearing it everywhere yeah i was okay with it and i'm still okay with it because i love daft punk and i heard it i was like oh Oh, I know this. Like it was, this. it was like a good memory. It wasn't like I was like, ugh, like this song. So it wasn't like some one hit wonder where you're just like, 
oh, no, I can't ever hear that song again. It was more like, oh, I remember when this was everywhere. So it wasn't a bad thing. All their music is very happy. Like there's like a positive right. happiness kind of vibe to them. And I just noticed uh, song five on Discovery is actually the name of the band, Crescendals. Oh. <laughs> so they already had this idea, I guess. Let's see what the. Yeah, and you know, they are actually very lucky that they are signed to Virgin and they have such a big record label backing them because getting the clearance of these samples must have been, or a smaller artist would be impossible. Oh, uh, and like pricey? Oh, extremely pricey. I mean, everything is sampled, but they add different things and kind of put their own character to it. And But yeah, everything on here has some type of sample. In it, yeah, you heard the disco sample in there, and then even in harder, better, faster, stronger is from a, some funk album. This this intro oh. right here that is from something else. Yeah, I wonder how much it costs to make that album. Oh boy, this to get the clearance. <laughs> So it had to have sold well. Yeah. I know it costed $4 million just to make the anime. What? Yeah. They had 90s money. Wow. That's crazy. They were like, we need an anime. <laughs> we're making ourselves an anime. <laughs> that's nuts. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, that's how much backing they had. I mean, in the mid to late 90s, the electronic music blew up. And they were making, I call it 90s money because of the whole entire uh -huh. dot-com thing. They're kind of like pop stars in a way. And yeah. they're making good money. So if you think about like that, I mean, $4 million for them was probably nothing. And for the risk for Virgin was probably nothing too because they did so well with their first album. Yeah. And then I was just thinking like electronic music was popular here at one point, but it's popular internationally. So they probably have a good international market, whether the U.S. kind of... Definitely. Electronic music came back because of artists like Steve Aoki and Skrillex and those guys. And that's great. I mean, I'm glad that there's some form of electronic music out there. And it yeah. didn't die because there was a while I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> just being like a subculture yeah <laughs> yeah i mean of course i'm in the music that is like a subgenre of a genre and stuff like that because daft punk would be like mainstream oh, electronic music definitely mainstream but they do whatever the hell they want and that's what's so amazing about them and that's why i love them no it's like a fun album i don't like having to watch my album though so <laughs> maybe if and so i think i gave the music a little bit of a eh at first because i had to watch something and there's no dialogue and so i was 
like I said, I've been in bad mood. So this was okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, this week was very divisive. I knew it was. <laughs> so funny. But I feel like I might try listening to the album without watching the anime. Yeah, it's definitely worth time. a listen. And then if it does pique your interest, you should definitely watch into Stella Five 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 Five. I do think so too, because it is kind of fun to watch something. So I'm not taking away from that. I think it was kind of a fun piece. I do feel like it's a little dated. That's all. So that's all. Like it feels a little dated. Yeah, definitely the music in the anime is a little dated Mm -hmm. because like with music nowadays, they don't give you this long intro or anything like that. They just get straight to the point and they end it on a high where this does not do that. No, I don't think any of Daft Punk's music does that. Even the new album just repeats itself. Like all the music, it's house music at its core. Yeah. So, something to note (laughs) (laughs) when you're going in so you don't get mad. Yeah. (laughs) They're doing it on purpose. (laughs) Yes, they're definitely doing it on purpose. And for me, I mean, I'm such a Daft Punk fan. So, I was waiting for this DVD to come out. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait for it to come out. Ah. So <laughs> when I finally got it on DVD, I was like, yes, get to watch this every day. <laughs> well, I thought it was clever. I love how old it is that it was came out on DVD. Like now you would stream it. <laughs> yeah, right. But you can find it on YouTube for free. You so can find it on YouTube cool. for free. The audio quality is not that good. So if you're listening to it on good headphones or good speakers like I have, you'll definitely notice it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it's good. It's I would recommend Discovery for anybody. Definitely. Just to, I don't know, just to see that time period and where that music was at that point. And I don't know, it's fun. So I would definitely check it out. Yeah, I think this is around the time when I met you, too, if I remember yeah. right. Yes. 2003, 2004. Yeah. No, 2000, between 2001, to, yeah, 2001, easily, or 2002. Yeah, around there. Yeah. Oh, beginning of our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> you need to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. See, it's good. That was good for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I guess we could end it. If you want to follow me, just look up Glitch Unicorn on all the social medias. And then I'm on Instagram as sister.santos. Yeah, and I've been posting some photography and things uh, i don't know if i followed you yet so I have to follow you. <laughs> you gotta look at it i posted this picture of my kitchen clean out of knives so it's just like this scary picture <laughs> a bunch of knives <laughs> oh it's interesting funny. it's very funny it's called decisions so <laughs> okay okay i'll have to check it out i'll check it out check me out all right we'll see you next week bye, bye.